0: We have on the news line with us now State Senator John Gordner. Uh, This is his last DA as a state senator. This is going to be the conclusion of a uh, 30-year in-legislature career, started out in the State House, transitioned to State Senate, now into the office of Counsel Kim Ward, the president of the Senate. John, thank you so much for calling in today.
1: Uh, Good morning, Mark and Joe.
0: Good morning, sir.
2: We're going to miss you. Thank you. I really appreciate I'm, it. I'm
1: going to miss the two of you
2: too. <laughs> I bet you will. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, the, right.
0: <laughs> the, the station's lie detector just went off. <laughs> no, seriously. Um, t- tell us about this big decision to 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 uh, transition early into a pre-retirement job in the Senate over his counsel. Uh, tell us all about that, if you would, please.
1: It uh, certainly was not an easy decision. It uh, was not a position I was looking for. I was planning to serve out the remaining two years of my term and then uh, not run for re-election, frankly, in 2024. But uh, Kim Ward, who uh, became the first female majority leader and uh, now is the first female interim president pro tem, approached me probably five or six weeks ago and uh, with this position. Um, the council... Position in the president pro tem's office has been vacant since Drew Crompton left it uh, back in December of 2019 to go to the Commonwealth Court. Uh, she said, "I want counsel to be filled. Looked around, need someone with uh, legislative abilities, legal abilities, policy abilities, someone I trust." And we have been working closely over the last two years. Her as majority leader, me as whip, and. She called uh, first time, second time, third time, talked in person a fourth time, called a fifth time, and was very persistent and persuasive. And so it's sort of a neat way of culminating my 30-year career in the House and Senate, being in the President Pro Tem's office uh, as her counsel, using my legislative and legal abilities.
0: Well, this is Lawrence's worthless opinion. I just think you were the quintessential legislator and senator, constantly in touch with people, working with businesses, being the liaison, but at the same time striving for leadership in Harrisburg. Tell me about this when you uh, were, and and it continues to this very moment, are in your flow as a state senator, being a legislator. Uh, tell us about that. What you know? What did that entail for you? How did that make you feel to be, uh, uh, you know? S- Sort of a superlative lawmaker.
1: I've always said that uh, legislators have two responsibilities. One is to be a uh, legislator uh, in in Harrisburg, so session days uh, consider bills, consider amendments, uh, consider policy and, and direction of where we want the state to be going. And then the second part is doing uh, the constituent service as well as uh, the community and uh, municipal development. Uh, Aspect of the job. And, and certainly that last part, uh, I mean, I enjoyed the legislative process. I think uh, when I sent out my announcement, uh, between 50 and 60 bills that were signed into law over the years, some smaller, some very substantial. Uh, and, you know, then the, the projects, uh, just helping municipalities uh, grow, helping businesses grow. Um, literally on Monday, and I don't think I'm giving anything away, uh, we were on the phone with uh, Gilson. Um, the snowboard folks uh, to assist them with um, some financing in regard to rebuilding in Snyder County. Um, so it's, it's just those sorts of things that are also very enjoyable.
2: But John, you've just told us that you're taking a position that's been vacant since 2019. Uh, does that give you any cause for concern, the fact that they've gone so long without somebody in that position that it might be harder for you to to actually do the job?
1: No. Uh, Drew wore many hats uh, when he was in the President Pro Tem's office. And, you know, uh, probably uh, half of his position was filled, um, thankfully. And it was the part that, uh, you know, I was very uncomfortable with, and that was all of the litigation aspects. Unfortunately, uh, the legislature has been in more litigation over the last two years uh, than probably in the last 10 or 12 or 14 years. So uh, Crystal Clark was hired early in 2020. And then we had all of the COVID lawsuits with the governor. Uh, We had all of the election lawsuits after the November election. And she has done a masterful job of handling all of those, uh, the litigation part. And frankly, that was the part that I was going to be most uncomfortable with. Uh, What I'll be doing is uh, legislative policy and procedure. All of which I'm very comfortable with.
2: What what kind of scope does that have with a policy and procedure? Will you be formulating policies or looking at existing policies with an eye toward changing them? Or,
1: yeah. So you know, I start tomorrow, and uh, two of the things I'll immediately be working on is the uh, impeachment uh, trial that the Senate is required to do. Again, it is nothing that the Senate went looking for, but when the House, uh, you know, passed the articles of impeachment, seven of them, uh, the Senate shall to trial under our Pennsylvania Constitution. So I will immediately be involved with uh, the process, looking back at the Rolf Larson uh, impeachment uh, back in uh, 1994 when I was a House member. And then uh, every session we adopt uh, rules on the first day of session. So um, dusting out the rule book, uh, looking at some recent changes that the House did in regard to car leases, etc. And so those are just a couple of my immediate responsibilities that I'll start tomorrow.
2: Just one follow-up question. Obviously, the the bigger elephant in the room is who's going to replace and be our senator after you step down. Uh, suppo- supposedly tomorrow we won't have a senator, right?
1: Uh, that's correct. And I, you know, assume Joe, you're throwing your hat in the ring and uh, you're looking forward to head on down to Harrisburg.
2: Oh yeah, I'm going to be right there. <laughs> no, but you are the.
1: I mean, of the two people that I'm talking to, you're the political guy.
2: Yeah, that's true. But I'm not that political. <laughs> I don't think I can serve. I don't think I can survive what you guys do. Your life isn't your own. I mean, qu- yeah. quite frankly, I'm always astounded at the way you guys work. And people say, "Oh, they don't do anything." Well, they just don't know the job. Uh, and and I've seen you guys sweat and and put out day after day and do more than's required. And you, literally, I mean, you're supposed to buy every ticket, attend every graduation, every ceremony. So no. Yeah. Oh, thanks. I'll stay as mayor. I'm happy there. But seriously, <laughs> well, what... let
1: me, um, I mean, I'll be glad to describe the process. Okay, um, I'm good. I'm be handing in my resignation uh, today, uh, effective uh, this evening. And then uh, it'll be up to the lieutenant governor, who is still John Fetterman at this point, until early January, uh, to set a special election date. Uh, under our law, it says it can be no sooner than 60 days and no later than the next election. Uh, next election would be in in May. So it could be as soon as uh, early February, uh, could be as late as the primary election in May. Uh Republicans have a process uh, because I went through that process back in 2003 when Sir Helferich uh, resigned. Uh there's going to be a convention. Uh each of the counties, uh, Snyder, Northumberland, Montour, Columbia and Luzerne, uh, will get delegates based on uh, what the Uh, presidential election was back in 2020. Uh, They will meet and they will determine who the Republican candidate is. Uh, From what I understand and and have observed, the Democrats have a little different process. Theirs is more um, state party based, uh, but they also will be uh, choosing uh, someone to run in that special election.
0: Back to uh, your career in the State Senate and in leadership, I always had a, a personal opinion that uh, you sh- should have been President of the Senate, uh, if, if not when Jake Corman took over certainly thereafter and certainly now. I always felt you were being passed over. Is there any truth to my personal observation that that might be true?
1: Uh, so I've been whip. Uh, I mean, I was caucus administrator. Thanks to uh, Joe Scarnati appointing me to that position. I ran for caucus chair, uh, was elected uh, unanimously, caucus chair, served in that, and then uh, ran for whip and frankly was uh, elected unanimously uh, initially back in 2014 and then reelected each time other than this time when I decided not to run again. Uh, Two years ago, uh, I threw my hat in for majority leader along with uh, Senator Kim Ward and Senator Dave Argyll. And, uh, frankly, uh, the growth in the Republican caucus has been in the center-to-west part of the state. And uh, Senator Ward was exceptional in uh, galvanizing and uh, putting together all of the, the senators, uh, basically west of State College. And uh, Dave Argel's from Schuylkill County. I'm from Columbia County, so we split folks in the east and... And Kim, uh, who I ultimately, uh, through my support of, um, you know, became majority leader. So I was very fortunate while I was WHIP uh, because whether it was Senator Scarnati, Senator Corman, Senator Ward, um, I was one of uh, three people in leadership that was involved in every uh, decision, every budget meeting, uh, every policy discussion. So, you know, I appreciated them. Uh, They didn't have to include the WHIP in that, but uh, they... All of them did since 2014.
0: Well, good for Kim, and and you'll be working for your former boss. That's a very gracious answer, but I just want you to know that doesn't allay my concern. I still say, honestly, the state would have been so much better because you're so good at working with Democrats and, you know, just doing what's best for the, the state, so that's still my observation. How did you take that to Harrisburg? You went to Harrisburg saying that, I'm going to work for my constituents, I'm going to do what's best for Pennsylvania. Uh, I've never heard you diss the Democrats. You don't, you don't really have a sort of that uh, partisan divide as is, is part of your motif. How did you do that? Was it difficult to be just a good legislator when other folks were saying, no, you got to really pick sides and fight?
1: Yeah, I've done that, uh, frankly, all 30 years and uh, have always had good relationships, uh, whether it was in the House or Senate. Uh, with folks from uh, other sides of the aisle, look. My viewpoint was that uh, every legislator got elected by their constituents, um, and folks that uh, represent Philadelphia are representing their constituents in Philadelphia, much like I'm representing my constituents in the Susquehanna Valley. Um, when I was chair of labor and industry committee, I mean that's one of the more divisive committees uh, that we have out there. With Republicans generally aligned with. Uh, business and, and the democrat's aligned with labor uh the chair of the committee uh senator Tina Tartaglione uh represents one of the roughest districts uh, i mean she has kensington if that rings a bell uh in philadelphia and uh daughter of a major labor person labor democrat uh and yet we to this day uh, i mean i was up in her office on her birthday because she invited me up uh, to come up and have some cake Every Christmas, I get a text message from Tina Tartagrione wishing me and my family a, um, a merry Christmas. Um, and she was so elated uh, when she heard the news and gave me a big, you know, kiss and hug. And she's been in a wheelchair since a boating accident back in uh, about 20 years ago. But it's just an example of it. Just if you if you respect that every legislator was elected by their constituents for a reason. And understand that they're representing their folks, much as I'm representing our folks. Uh, I think it's easier to work together and try to get something done for all the folks of Pennsylvania.
2: John, you're a young guy yet, and so where <laughs> where do you go from here? I mean, how long do you how long do you think you'll uh, stay in this job? And is there something that this might lead to that you're hoping or looking for down the road? Governor. Yeah. Um, well, Supreme I mean, I'm, Court I'm judge. Attorney.
1: Yeah. <laughs> 60 turning 61 in, in January, so uh, I, I'm thankful I still run races and and, uh, and get out there and do things, but I made the commitment uh, to uh, be with Kim uh, for this, this coming session that takes me to November of 2024, which frankly was when I was going to leave as being senator, so that's my only goal at this point is... Uh, and look, uh, you know, we're going to have a Democratic governor and Josh Shapiro, who was, you know, a former legislator. Um, it looks like the House at some point, it may not be on January 3rd, but at some point the House will probably be Democratic 102-101. Uh, so uh, the Senate Republicans are going to be the one Republican entity out there. Uh, so it's going to be a very uh, interesting, challenging two years.
0: Well, when it comes to elected leaders being sent there by their constituents, that doesn't seem to help the Philadelphia District Attorney. Uh, He's uh, Walk us through the impeachment process and uh, tell us what the Senate's going to do and what the House is going to do.
1: Yeah, well, the House has already done their major action, and that is uh, they adopted uh, seven articles of impeachment. And as I said, the Constitution says That uh, if the House adopts articles of impeachment, then the Senate shall uh, hold a trial. So, we adopted uh, rules uh, yesterday, and they were based on the rules that were used back in uh, 94 or so when we did the Rolf Larson uh, trial. And again, I was in the House at that time when we adopted the articles of impeachment uh, regarding Larson. Uh, So, we adopted the rules. Uh, yesterday we adopted a resolution that requires the House to present uh, the articles today, and so they will be doing that this morning uh, during a Senate session. And then today we will be adopting a rule that formally provides uh, Larry Krasner with notice of what is going on, setting some dates as to when he can respond, and then it says the trial uh, shall uh, begin January 18th uh, unless, you know, otherwise notified. and. The way it worked uh, back in 94, the Senate did not sit as an entirety for the trial. Uh, the Senate uh, set up a committee uh, based on members of the Judiciary Committee uh, to sit and hear the, uh, the evidence in the trial. And then uh, for final arguments and stuff, the Senate needs to sit as a whole and then make a decision.
2: Out of curiosity, uh, this process, how political do you see it being as it plays out? <laughs>
1: It, uh, I mean, the Larson uh, trial was not uh, done politically. Uh, it was, uh, I mean, that was, you know, it's going to be different than this one, but that one was done with a bipartisan vote uh, back in 94. A um, little, again, different circumstances. But uh, I, I can tell you that the Senate is not looking uh, for it to be a political show. Uh, they are looking to make sure, you know, and, and here I'm going to make slightly political comment, but if you remember the last impeachment of Trump, it took about two weeks to go from beginning to end. Um, You know, this is being done very deliberate uh, so that there's, you know, due process, that there's notice, um, and everything else along those lines. And and that's how it wants to be uh, done to its fruition in the Senate.
2: Does Senator John Gordner have any unfinished business he'd like to see the Senate take care of before he, well, obviously not before you leave, but before the end of the session, let's say, or before the end of the next session?
1: Uh, there's no burning issue. Uh, you know, the big issue I pushed uh, for a number of years was the Growing Greener 3, uh, which we were able to get to the finish line back in June. Uh, the biggest investment uh, in, in environment uh, funding in, in the history of our, our Commonwealth, so uh, close to $600 million for state parks, state forests, uh, water, uh, sewer, um, Chesapeake Bay. Uh, and I did it in the Senate. Uh, Linda Culver did it in the House. So that was sort of a crowning achievement. Um, I will be paying attention to a certain little roadway in, in Susquehanna Valley.
0: Um, Matt, Matt, there you go.
1: not going to be completed for a couple of years, and uh, the portion that uh, at least one person is very interested in uh, is, is that part. So... I will certainly keep uh, my eyes and um, making sure that uh, that continues to its
0: conclusion. Joe's mouthing the word radar, too, incidentally. If you can pull, <laughs> pull any strings John in, the, knows that. in the president's <laughs> office, keep, keep that going as well. Well, John, anything else you want to tell us? This may be the last time I ever ask you that question on the, yeah. on, on the mark. Uh, anything else you'd like to tell our audience?
1: sure uh, I mean it's again been a uh, it's, it's been a job of a lifetime uh, it's just been so beneficial to me in, in so many ways and I was pleased that I was able to I think get a lot of things done worked with a lot of great uh, legislators and a lot of uh, great local officials county officials township officials private individuals um, but probably the last thing I, w- I want to say is my staff um, you don't get these things done without having good staff. Uh, both in Harrisburg and back in the district. You know, I've had a couple of good uh, chiefs of staff, uh, Todd Roop, uh, Phil Dunn, uh, Josh Funk from Sunbury, who's my current chief of staff, and and, uh, district staff who, my gosh, uh, during COVID, um, you know, the phones just lit up with unemployment comp issues and other type of issues that uh, people were very uh, emotional about, and my staff did such a great job. So, You know, it's just a thank you to uh, the the staff that literally handled hundreds of thousands of constituent matters uh, over the years very well.
2: And you haven't said this, but I'm going to. Among the people I consider heroes of the Central Susquehanna Valley Throughway Project, you are right up there at the top. I'll never forget the night you called me and when we were talking about splitting up the program and said, Jody, what would you say if I told you we could get the funding for all the project? And I, I said, "I tell people I've known John for a long time. I know he doesn't nip the elderberry wine very often, but I thought maybe that night you were. But you literally put the pedal to the metal with Governor Corbett to get that project done, and you deserve a great deal of credit for all the work you've put. In on it, John.
1: Yeah, I I found a great partner in the uh, uh, transportation secretary at the time, and uh, you know, maybe I'll tell a little secret here. We uh, I called a meeting up on the fifth floor of of the of the Capitol. Uh, It's a floor that no one really goes up on or or sees, but there was a a small conference room up there I had access to, and I gathered our uh, central Susquehanna legislators together. Whether it was Gene Yaw. Fred Keller at the time, Dave Millard, Kurt, you know, all of them, and uh, brought in the Transportation Secretary and said, look, we are the first group that are willing to come to you and support your plan, but here's what we need. Uh, And uh, within a day, he said, you got it. Uh, And uh, that was one of the best meetings I ever organized up on the fifth floor. Um, (laughs) But, you know... Uh, we, we had to show that we were united as a group, and I appreciated the, the Dave Millards and the Kurt Mossers and others that, uh, you know, the, the roadway wasn't necessarily in their district, uh, but they knew the importance of it to, to the region.
0: Well, and you talked about the the phone call you received from the governor saying, uh, yeah. Governor Wolf saying, uh, paraphrasing that, uh, let's make this the first big transportation project as governor, right?
1: Yeah, and that was a concern. I mean, it was approved uh, during the Corbin administration, but everything wasn't done at the federal level with the, uh, the Federal Highway Commission until uh, the Wolf administration was in. And as all new administrations do, uh, they put all the projects on hold when they come in to review them to make sure that they want to continue. So, yes, I remember uh, getting that call, I think, in uh, March, uh, of, of when his new administration was saying, hey, I'm I'm giving the green light. And let's go. Let's go with it.
0: Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your service. And thanks yes. for being so available to us over the years, especially during the pandemic. I think we probably did updates every four to six weeks or so. So that was
2: very helpful to our audience. And Godspeed, John, whatever you take yeah, on. I'm just, sure you'll be great. Just
1: in case. Yeah. Just in case my wife is, is listening, uh, I should make sure that I Appreciate uh, the 30 years of support for my wife and my family, uh, Cole and Allison, uh, Lori. Uh, So many, as you can imagine, so many uh, days and nights and weeks and weekends and stuff like that, Uh, especially over 30 years because neither of my kids are 30 yet. Uh, You know, I missed a number of things, and certainly my wife uh, very supportive. And uh, We've been doing some traveling recently and look forward to a lot more traveling with her and paying back some of uh,
0: the debt that I owe her. I'm sure she said that you won't have Mark Lawrence irritating you anymore, so that'll, that, that'll be an upside
2: right there. Thank you so much, sir. Thanks, thanks for your service, and thanks for all you've done. Yep. Great having thanks. you as our senator. Good luck.
1: Thanks, Mark and Joe. Yep, bye.
0: bye. State Senator John Gordner out of Berwick. Uh, catch him while you can as the Senate Majority Whip and as State Senate in the 27th District.